Hey, it's Chris, the Supply Chain Doctor and host of Supply Chain is Boring. This is part two of a two-part interview with the supply chain technology company whisperer, Greg Cronin. In part one, we discussed how Mr. Cronin got into the supply chain space and the impact he has had. In this part two interview, Mr. Cronin comes out of retirement again and is excited about the supply chain technology market potential over the next five years. It all sounds pretty boring. So let's see if Greg can prove me wrong. I'm back to playing golf again. And then I did that for about a year and I said, okay, I'm bored. And then this industry just started to take off. Everything changed it, uh, from the day of when I was um, back in the McHugh Freeman days, you know, it was ship to store, it was pallet case, maybe did a little split case. What really changed the world was e-commerce, each picking and all the complications around that. And that's really what, how uh, Intelligrated grew so well, so greatly was because this ship to store pallet case world has now shifted to, yes, you had that, but you also had now each is to the store, which uh, really wasn't that way before. And now the handling characteristics of that and the software tracking of that had changed everything and then you started to get into the automation all around that and so that's really has excited me even more so I uh, ended up joining I started to get involved with investment firms looking at various companies one of the ones that, that I was part of was auto store I saw auto store when I was at Intelligrated we uh, along with Swiss log implemented at a customer medline um, and I saw auto store technology in action. I loved it. I could see that something that for a goods operator and each picking, it was an exciting technology, very reliable, high speed. So I uh, joined their advisory board. I became an investor. And um, we thought, you know, it would be three or four years before it would go to its next level. But it came out with a new product line where it could do bigger uh, and uh, heavier products and it just took off and then they became very popular and then they were acquired uh, by TH Lee. From there I then uh, I sort of my name got out there and now I'm actively involved with a lot of different investment firms evaluating technology in this space uh, to either invest or to merge it with someone else or to buy the IP or whatever it might be and from that, I got involved with uh, another company out of Pittsburgh, out of Carnegie Mellon, called IM Robotics. Wonderful team, great technology. They have two products. They have a, uh, a mobile robot called Swift that is a picking technology, has an arm, and picks like a person would. And then they also have an AMR that does conveyance. Uh, of product throughout the warehouse and which is becoming more and more prevalent now. There is a real desire that conveyors are such fixed position and they take up so much room and they might fit in a ship to store world but they don't necessarily fit in a ship to consumer world and there's a lot more flexibility needed and so robots have become uh, something I love now. I really uh, and so I'm, I'm still active with other investment firms, 
but I'm also very active with IAM. I'm also working with a number of other material handling companies as an advisor. Um, one is True, uh, former Intelligrated people, and um, helping them with their strategy around their software and where do they take that next and how do they get that into this world of the new world of automation that's coming up, especially robotics. And um, uh, I, as I mentioned to you earlier, I'm not ready to make clay pots just yet. I really enjoy what I'm doing and I really feel this space right now is the most exciting it's ever been. And, um, and this, I go back to 1970. So <laughs> yeah. that's 50 years. Um, uh, I've never seen it like it is right now. I didn't realize that. You, you sound like the, uh, the software technology whisperer. I mean, you know, if somebody <laughs> wants to know what to do with this, they ask you. I couldn't do a line of code if you <laughs> paid me to do a well, That's what I was, I was curious. You said, you know, these companies. <laughs> no, what I do is I'll bring people in that know how to do a line of code and or do a look at the architecture. You know, the way technology, the way the software is today, it's the, you know, you have the WMS and now at Intelligrated, we were one of the first and we worked with uh, actually Gartner to help come up with the name WES, Warehouse Execution System. Uh, it, I do believe that is the future uh, because mm -hmm. so much automation is going into sites now and they're all islands and uh, you know you have you'll have an ASRS over here and you'll have uh, some sort of other slotting technology over here and you'll have a robot over here and um, and they're all different work cells it's almost becoming more like a manufacturing operation than it is a distribution operation because of e-commerce you could be kidding or you could be over packaging something for custom uh, for it, there's various work and tasks that you can do that warehouses fulfillment centers never really had to do before in the past and so there's a lot of that going on and also the, the trend now of how the big warehouses of the past, the two million square feet that I've seen, that you can actually see the curvature of the earth in it, I believe, to sort of the micro-fulfillment centers that you see that are emerging today, you really need a different type of automation, ones that's very dense, one that can fit in a very tight space, as well as the software that can drive the automation uh, drive the speed that can work with the speed of the automation is such a critical factor nowadays. So that's sort of what I know. I know how that can fit together with automation. So software with automation, you know, warehouse control systems were, you know, created mainly by the manufacturers of the automation so that they could integrate with a WMS. Never successfully, they were always, the WMS is a relational database and it's not fast enough to deal with the speed of automation for the most part. So that's why they built a WCS, but now a WES is emerging and that is really, and with artificial intelligence, you can put reasoning and logic in it. It can make decisions um, and it can make decisions at the speed of automation that a human can't do. So that whole world is opening up of AI not only in the automation itself, but the software that's around it. And that's the only way you're going to get all this high speed 
and you're going to get the value of the automation is you really need to have all this technology surrounding it to make it work efficiently. That's what I do. I like looking at that. I like to figure out where they are in that chart, you know, on that scale and uh, where they need to go and what, the type of people they need to hire um, and the type of technology that they might have to introduce into their company. So I find that really a lot of fun. So <laughs> Yeah, it's interesting. Well, I, I also took notes. You, you've kind of came through all ranks of the supply chain or different ranks. You started with the ex execution side, right? WS yeah. specifically, yeah. Yeah. Moving, box, moving boxes around, getting them picked, and then you migrated into visibility, right? right. Which is still, it's a key part, but that's a different different than execution. And then well, now, I, you're, now you're into robotics. I know people said, oh, you know, you're so creative, you came up. Well, part of it was I had a really, uh, uh, I couldn't continue in WMS space. <laughs> I signed. I signed. Oh, uh, okay. Okay. <laughs> so I decided, you know, there are other ways uh, I can go. I sort of took the idea of real time, extending real time more globally, uh, taking the idea of a WMS and making the world is your oyster type of thing and, and expanding it that way. Uh, you know, I. I, I did get in um, to these other places. Uh, the beer one, for instance, like Trendstar, was interesting because I had to deal with all the beer guys, and they are professional drinkers. I mean, there's no doubt about it. And But it was interesting in their world that all of a sudden we created a whole new dimension for them because for, you know, for decades they were, the beer guys would, you know, deliver their keg to a pub or the bar and then they'd pick up the empty and they never thought of pooling with competitors or their the delivery and, and pickup and and utilizing and and looking at the keg as not so much as part of their business anymore but something that they can rent so it was a very different model and it was exciting to kind of do things like that that were different models you know, software as a service. When I was at Descartes, we were one of the first ones that did that. And that was a big, bold step for Art Measure to do that because it required giving up a lot of money that would normally be in a project that you get paid for up front or during the project, you get paid for over time. Well, you're, the timing of the revenue coming in the door is so different in that regard. So there's a lot of risk. So I have to give Art Mesher a lot of credit because he he he, he had the nerve to do that. Uh, you know, there are a lot of I've I've worked with a lot of brilliant guys in this industry. Um, you know, Alan DeBerry being another that were the, uh, creative minds that came up with different concepts that worked, mm -hmm. and they were usually different business models. Of uh, but. Uh, you know, it was, so being around guys like that, you know, some of that rubbed off and, and then I've been fortunate enough to work with some really great teams at different companies, like the one I'm working at right now with IM Robotics. I really love this team, a uh, really great bunch of people, all young. I mean, they all look at me like you know, grandpa, but uh, they know I've been around the block enough mm -hmm. and, um, uh, you know, they listen to me most of the time. So it's, it, I, I just enjoy this role of sort of being a mentor in a way because I've been mentored myself over in the past. You know, it's kind of a, and my kids, uh, my children work in the, in the business. My daughter worked uh, Telegrated, 
um, as proposal manager. My son works at DHL Technologies, and so they're in the space, and um, I enjoy that they're in the space uh, because I think this is the greatest time to be in the space right now with the with the change now COVID coming and what does that mean? You know, because the people would say, you know, I'd sit at big meetings with big companies and they'd say, well, let's cut out the labor. And then now there's so much available labor and people are saying, well, you know, why, you know, why a robot? And, but the labor is different. I mean, it's, uh, it's labor that the pe young people today do not want to work in warehouses and distribution centers. And they have other things that probably much better that they could do. And, um, and with the COVID and the new social distancing and the way this world, I think, is going to evolve, is you really need to have automation really take over even more so, just for the health and safety of people that work in these environments. So it's, it, yes, labor can probably be cheaper, unfortunately, but it's still this, this need to make things go faster and to have safety and, and social distancing now. So the world has emerged uh, in a different way, but it's also strengthening the need for innovative thought and auto automation. And what's the best automation that fits in this new world? Something that I, I picked up on you, I mean, it's obvious that, that smart people bring you in for a reason, but you seem to have the ability to build, build a team. Is that something you would say is a characteristic? I mean, yes. <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean, you 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 said it you said it a couple of times. I heard it through there. You you bring love, in the right people. I love building teams, and I and I've been part of some great ones. And uh, yeah, I do. Um, it's funny. I was at a trade show a couple of years ago, and we're standing there, and I was with this guy, and he goes, "You know, half the people here at one time work with you." And I go, "Yeah, I guess so." <laughs> And I got, they, at least they haven't thrown me out yet. But um, I do, I do enjoy. There have been a couple of companies. Velocity was one. I hired the all stars of of the industry. And unfortunately, if it wasn't for the dot com bubble burst, that company would have been really something else. But it was in the right place at the right time. Unfortunately, it wasn't in the right environment. And I had the right team. I had some. I had Mo Trebuchon and Jeff Cashman, and I had some really industry leaders that worked there, John Kierkegaard. I could, I could name and, uh, people that have all gone on and become famous and run companies themselves today. And the same thing I could say at, at, at Intelligrated. I had a number of people at Intelligrated, uh, Mike Barker, who is now at Swisslog, and I have a, a number of people that are heading up competitors to Intelligrated, Honeywell Intelligrated. And, you know, I've, I've been fortunate to be able to recruit right and and, and develop real great relationships with these people and, and, and they've become friends. Um, and because when you go through thick and thin together, you know, it, you, you develop a, a great relationship. Yeah, you mentioned Jeff Cashman. He, when you said Velocity, that's somebody I know. We've interviewed him a couple of times and he's, yeah. running, he's running a company now. I don't know if you're affiliated with him. Oh, sure. That. No, I, I know them. I, I'm not, um, but I do know them quite well. You know, and I think they're doing well out there. So, yeah. uh, well, they're, they've got a, you know, per perfect technology, good software technology, and that's, you know, that, that, that's the direction everybody is going. And so uh, Jeff's in the right place right now. Well, Greg, I know you've got some other things to be taken care of besides talking to me. I appreciate it. But before I go, there's, 
one thing I like to conclude with is is for anybody that's listening, you know, maybe get get your perspective on uh, you know maybe somebody going to college thinking about supply chain as a career coming out of college, where should they go, or even making a, a transition into supply chain management. Do you have any perspective on what's? I think it's going to be robotics, but I want to get your perspective. <laughs> well, it's software too. Um, okay. It's uh, software is really what makes the robotics smart, and uh, in the end, but it is a. Uh, and e-commerce has really changed everything as well. You know, it used to be the buyer when I was selling, it was operations guy and it was industrial engineer, usually came up through those ranks. Now, now you're selling to a lot of times the e-commerce people and they come from an entirely different world and they're very tech savvy. So the industry itself has gone from this mechanical world to more of a digital transformation, uh, information, data crunching um, world that is very different and has a lot of different people that are very, you know, I call them extra lovers, the people that have that intelligence that um, artificial intelligence is becoming, it's gonna dominate in this industry. Uh, so it's not just industrial engineers coming in and maybe computer science people, but it's really mathematicians and scientists and roboticists. And, but it's also in the marketing and the sales of this because in the business, how you, you know, robot as a service, uh, like software as a service, and there are different business models. So business analysts and financial people are now coming into this industry, which I never really saw before. So it's a much wider range of skill sets in the industry now than there was when I started. And uh, usually you could tell somebody, they usually came from one or two disciplines. Now it's across the board. And it's exciting times, as I said. I think there's going to be a major transformation. And it's our world now is driving that of how people buy and how they take things home or they have it delivered to their home. And all those cycles and all those things that are taking place is significant change. And I think we've just seen the start of it. I really believe, you know, uh, when I first got into robotics, you know, everybody thought, well, that's, that's a, you know, that's just going to play out really fast. Well, it didn't play out that fast. I mean, if you remember the Jetsons, they had Rosie the robot, you know, the, the, the aide in the French office. And you would think, well, why haven't they created something like that real fast? Well, they haven't. I mean, they probably could, but it would cost probably be three or four million dollars, and it still wouldn't do all, all what Rosie could do. But, you know, who's going to pay for a three or four million dollar robot? So, um, not a number of them anyway. And so, it had to be field proven, tested, reliable. It had to become at the right price point. And though that is finally getting here. Um, we're at the point right now that technology, uh, the convergence of centering and vision and, and all of the other things that make up a robot uh, software, the price points are there never, like never before, and that's even going to become more so. And that's going to change, I think, everything. So it's, 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 it's an evolution. Um, that's speeding up so fast now. It's just amazing how I think where it's going to go. Um, I think the next five years are going to be the most biggest change in 
supply chain technology than has ever been before. And, you know, and I, I didn't even say that five years ago because I, knew, I didn't think we were quite there yet. Um, some of these things just need time to develop. But I think because of the nature of our times, things are going to get developed a lot faster. You know, this is, this is the era right now. A lot of companies aren't buying right now because they're not open fully. And I've noticed at the times before in the past, like when the dot-com bubble burst, technology companies came together. They started to merge. They started to share data, share IP. They, and I see that happening now like never before. So this is a great opportunity for people to come in here because the guarded days of, uh, you know, this is our IP and this is how we're going to do it is evaporating. And I think you see more and more companies really willing to share and work together in order to get that technology to the next level. I've never seen the cooperation that there is going on right now, and it's, and it's due to COVID. But I think that's going to continue. I don't know how much longer. But because of this, you're going to see a spurt. As we did back then, uh, when the dot-com bubble burst, the, in, the creativity after that was, a, was enormous, and I think you're going to see the same thing here. So this is, if you're going to enter this space, this is the time to do it. And you can come at it with a, from a different background than you would normally expect in the supply chain. My theory is supply chain is boring, Greg, but you may have proved me wrong. So <laughs> congratulations. <laughs> well, yeah, it, uh, you know, it came from the old box kicker, you know, mentality to um, now the extra lovers, you know. So it's a, it's a different, you're finding a different class of people in this space now it is. than you used to see. And uh, I welcome it because it, I think it only brings on more innovation and more excitement. And that's what I'm saying. I can't retire. They're going to have to drag me out of here because <laughs> yeah. uh, I still, I still uh, enjoy it. And I think anybody who enters this space, like my, my children did, and they love it. They're, they're really excited about this space. I, I don't see them leaving. They can see where this could head. And so I encourage anybody, if they're considering uh, I, I just recently talked to someone young who was a brilliant uh, mathematician, and he was thinking, you know, going off to other higher tech type of callings. And I, I had a conversation with him, and he goes, you know, and I said, you make your mark faster here than you would working for one of these uh, big guys because you're just going to get lost in the numbers. Here you can really make a difference. And so I, I and I, I got him, I, and he's in a he's in a uh, has a nice job, and, and he's doing AI uh, at a company, uh, robotics company. So he's, uh, I I just think this is, uh, and I'm glad I chose this years ago. I sort of chose me in a way, but I just gone full cycle now, and I've just enjoyed my time here. Well, I mentioned I, I think you have an ability to build teams. I think people just I can see why people enjoy being around you. You're a very smart person. Thank you. Oh, thanks. Well, I don't know about that, but it's 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 um, it, it's experience. I, I, the one good thing I have is my memory. <laughs> so, <Yeah. laughs> well, if I lose that, I'm in real trouble. But uh, uh, it and it, it does because it's interesting because uh, I remember when the dot com bubble burst and other times of financial and technical times of troubles and people came together and innovated together. 
And I saw that that was going to happen here. And I started to lead the parade a little bit with some others, and we've been in the background kind of cheering people on. And it is really happening now. So I'm very uh, excited about that, and I think that's going to continue, and that's going to really accelerate the change, the evolution of what's going on here. Well, great. Greg, any last comments before we wrap? No, I'm glad. I'm glad to join you. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm, anytime you want me back, I'd be happy to talk to you about any part of my career or, or where I see it's going. You know, I just I think what you're doing is 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 the right thing because I, I I I encourage people to get into this industry because it, I really believe we're just at the start of something really new and big. Well, thanks again for investing time with me. Thank you, Chris. If you're interested in CSCP or other APEX credentials, there is a YouTube video where you can learn more about bootcamp style workshops at Georgia Tech. Search on APEX Bootcamp Courses Informational Webinar. If you're in the North Georgia, North Alabama, Chattanooga area, check out the traditional class formats offered by the University of Tennessee Chattanooga Center for Professional Education, Supply Chain Academy. Optionally, we can bring supply chain certification workshops to your company. Just send a note to chris at apexcoach.com. Supply Chain Boring is part of the Supply Chain Now Network. We try to highlight historical events, companies, and people in supply chain management and create a picture of where the industry is headed. Interested in learning more about supply chain technology startups, mergers, acquisitions, and how companies evolve? Take a listen to Tequila Sunrise, crafted by Greg White. Or check out This Week in Business History with Supply Chain News' own Scott Luton to learn more about everyday things you may take for granted and pick up short stories you can use as general conversation starters. The Logistics with a Purpose series puts a spotlight on neat and interesting organizations who are working toward a greater cause. And finally, if you're interested in logistics, freight, and transportation, take a listen to the new series, Jamin Logistics and Transportation Experience, with the Adapt and Thrive Mindset Sherpa, Jamin Alvarez. If interested in sponsoring this show or others on Supply Chain Now, send a note to chris at supplychainnowradio.com. And remember, supply chain is boring. When I worked at Mitsui, even though it wasn't in engineering, it was but how they ran the business. And it was teams. It was all around teams. And, and even I was the lowest member of the team. I had a say. And um, you'd had to sign off. Actually, we had stamps. And I had Cronin in, in Japanese character. And I love that concept. And I kept that everywhere I went. Because you always had to make everyone feel that they were part of a decision, even though it might go against what they want. I learned a lot from the Japanese, uh, the way they looked at the business, and, and it, it mostly was how you um, managed and how you uh, managed people and how you managed process. They were very, very process-oriented. Yep. We developed uh, procedures and policies that I've adopted that all my life. Uh, right now, I'm a, I'm president of my golf club, <laughs> and one of the things we're doing is I'm changing all their policies and procedures and bylaws, and they're antiquated. They're 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 not worth the paper they're on. And that early Japanese training was really helpful to me in making me aware of 
that you should have backups, you should have redundancy, you should have make people part of the team, a very team-oriented. Uh, I, I embrace that, and I've done that ever since. So you're right. I mean, uh, the lean and lean is just that's that's changed manufacturing, and and that lean has gone into the warehouse and distribution centers. Yeah. And it, it to great results, you know, the efficiencies have just, you know, picked up significantly. So it's, um, you know, uh, you can learn a lot. I, and that, that's one of the reasons I want to get international. And I've done a lot of international business. Every, every company I work for, I started their international side of it. And I really think we can learn a lot. I mean, I was just at auto store. And I work mostly with their product management group in Norway. Brilliant guys. I've never saw product management work more effectively than what they did. And I learned something from how they did that. How product management really drove a lot of what they did and what they built in the next generation. You hardly ever see that. I mean, usually product management is like, you know, some, some guy everybody ignores or a gal somebody ignores. And they really drove that company and they built out because they were completely different. I, I, what they liked about me was I was anti everything they did. Uh, they didn't sell, they didn't have a direct sales force. They sold everything through resellers. They didn't make money selling support or maintenance. They did it. They, they did everything completely different. They broke all the rules. And, and they had a plan and a strategy and product management that did it, and they executed on it. It was just brilliant. So I, you learn something every day. <laughs> yeah, well, 